Good morning, OCC. How you guys doing today? Good. Good morning, all you online with us as well. Good to have you with us. Hey, have you ever taken a wrong turn? Ever been going somewhere and you just went the wrong way? You, you went the wrong way to get there. You took the wrong turn. You end up maybe lost. When I was in high school, my mom and dad and I were traveling out on the East Coast, just the three of us in our big camper van. And at one point, took a wrong turn going through New York City. And we ended up in Harlem, lost. Not the place we'd want to find ourselves, right? There was another time when my buddy and I, we were traveling out to Colorado to visit some people. And we were heading across Kansas. We thought we should camp out for the night. So we're driving down this country road, this blacktop road that all of a sudden turned into a gravel road without any warning. And then the gravel turned into dirt without any warning. And then the dirt just ended up in a field without any warning. We were on the wrong road. There was another time when my wife and one of my daughters and I were traveling in Wisconsin I was driving the minivan, and we ended up on a snowmobile trail in a minivan. Not where you want to be. So there's been at least a few times in my life where I took the wrong turn, ended up going the wrong way. But what I know is that I'm not the only one. How many of you have taken a wrong turn a time or two in your life? And those of you online, you can say, yeah, that's me too. We've done it. Well, that was a situation for Neil Page as he was trying to make his way home from a business trip in New York City back to his home in Chicago. And along the way, weather and other things made his travels pretty tenuous. And he made an acquaintance of a guy named Dell. And Dell, very well-intentioned, but was not as good of a travel partner as he may have purported to be. And at one point, Dell was leaving them on some misadventures and actually had them going the wrong direction on the interstate after taking a wrong turn. Check it out. Put your window down! want something. Uh, probably drunk. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He said we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Terrific. Thank you. <laughs> what a moron. Well, that pretty much sums up a ride on the Snyder. <laughs> now, that scene from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is one of my favorite movie scenes ever. But it makes me wonder, is it possible for us to be traveling the wrong way, to be going the wrong direction, and be totally unaware, 
to be unknowingly headed in the wrong direction. I mean, after all, there are times when we take a wrong turn in life, but those wrong turns don't immediately say, this is the wrong way, this is a bad thing to do, this is going to lead you to heartache or heartbreak or just the wrong destination. If they did, we wouldn't go that way. But the wrong turn, the wrong path is oftentimes disguised, looks a whole lot like the right path, at least on the onset. And so we can end up finding ourselves going the wrong way, going in the wrong place. That was the situation for the Jews of the Old Testament. Time and time and time again, they found themselves on the wrong path. Now, God had said, here's the direction to go. He gave them a well-lit, clearly marked path. Follow my word, follow my teachings, follow my way, and it will lead to blessing. It'll lead to me. But time and again, the Jewish people of the Old Testament would turn and wander down other paths, following the wrong path. And those wrong paths would take them away from God and away from blessing and eventually lead them to destruction and problem. But God loves his people. And so he didn't want to see them wander. He didn't want to see them go in those dangerous wrong paths. And so he would continually send them messengers, we call them prophets, to help get them back on the right track, to lead them back to the right way, to give them a course correction. Now these prophets, sometimes, oftentimes we think of prophets and we think of prophecy in the Old Testament. A lot of people think of future tellers. But that's not the best or most accurate way to think of the Old Testament prophets. The best way to think of them is simply as truth tellers. Like the guy and the gal in that other car shouting, you're going the wrong way. You're going to kill somebody. The prophets of the old would say, you're headed down the wrong path. It's gonna take you away from God and lead to destruction. You're going the wrong way. And one of those prophets was named Isaiah. And Isaiah said this. He said, all of us, now that doesn't, leave too many people out of the picture, does it? It was true of them, it's true of us, that all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. And Isaiah said a little bit later, because of that, because we've strayed, this is where it's got us. We don't know where to find peace. There's no justice on these paths. They have, we have mapped out crooked roads and no one who follows them knows even a moment of peace. So there's no justice among us and we know nothing about the right way to live. We look for light, but find only darkness. We look for bright skies, but walk in gloom. A gloomy, dark path without peace. Friend, has this year for you been a year marked out by gloom, by darkness, by an absence of peace? Are you hungry for peace, hungry for more peace in your life? When you find peace, does it seem to be elusive and short-lived, fleeting, just momentary? If so, you are not alone. This year has only served to accentuate the problems we were already facing, the problems that are peace thieves in our lives, problems with fear and worry, anxiety, depression, low self-worth, and all their evil counterparts that would afflict so many of us and seek to steal away our peace and steal away our joy. I'm guessing if I had a stress-o-meter up here on the platform, as I mentioned certain things, I'm confident that we would find that needle spiking into the red for some of you at the mere mention of job stress 
or school stress. And not just school for the students, but also for the parents. We'd find it spiking into the red for some of us at the mention of family dysfunction or problems with friends or on the flip side, problems with enemies and bullies. We'd probably find it spiking into the red with money issues. Definitely find it spiking into the red when we think of our own sin struggles and the fear of consequence and how those things just come up again and again and again. And and listen, I, I want you to know that if you are feeling like you're at the end of your rope, if you're feeling the anxiety and the stress and you're feeling an absence of peace and abundance of fear, you're not alone. And you don't have to walk that road alone. We're here for you. And that's not a trite thing that we say because we're a church and we should say that. We we say that because we mean it, because we really do believe that it's better to do this thing called life together. And, And we're here to help you navigate the difficult seasons. So if you're wrestling with something and you're wrestling with that fear, that anxiety, that depression, you're wrestling with situations that just spike your needle into the red, reach out to us. We're here for you. We, we offer free pastoral counseling. And what that means is a listening ear with no judgmentalism and biblical perspective. We'll just walk with you through it. Just want you to know you're not in it alone. And if you face things that are beyond what we are capable to help with or beyond what we are qualified to assist with, then we'll connect you to one of our trusted ministry partners, a professional counselor out there, a Christian counselor who we trust, and we will walk with you still. We'll help you. You don't have to do it alone. So don't go at it alone. But all of us, I want all of us to know today and be encouraged by this truth that peace is possible. Peace is possible. That was the overwhelming message of the prophets. That was the overwhelming message of the prophet Isaiah. Going back to what he said, and this is a passage familiar to us, especially this time of year. He said, nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The people who walk in darkness are going to see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light is going to shine for them. Because a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and don't miss this one, Prince of Peace. He goes on to say that his government and its peace is never going to end. He'll rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The promise of peace, the promise of one who would bring peace, the promise of a long-awaited-for, expected, hoped-for Messiah, Redeemer, Rescuer, one to rescue us from all the chaos and rescue us from all the mess, and who would himself bring peace as the Prince of Peace. What a beautiful, beautiful promise. And God did what he always does. He made good on that promise. Now, God's timing is sometimes different than what we'd hope for. Sometimes when we're in the midst of the darkness, we want the light of God to shine right away. But sometimes we got to wait a little bit. And that was true for them as well. It took 700 years before that prince would arrive. That prince of peace showed up in a little stable in a little town called Bethlehem. 700 years after that prophecy. But in that moment, that beautiful little baby born, we call him Jesus, Emmanuel, God 
with us. And that is where peace is found. That our God has come to be with us. And he is with us. And at the time that Jesus was born, there was a man in that area, a man in that region named Zechariah. And Zechariah was a priest. So follow me on this because I want to draw some lines for you. Zechariah was an older man. He was a priest married to Elizabeth. And Zechariah and Elizabeth had not had any kids and they were beyond the typical childbearing age. And then they became pregnant. And their little boy would be named John, John the Baptizer or John the Baptist. Now, while they were pregnant with John, Elizabeth's cousin, Mary, who's going to be married to Joseph, she got pregnant. And she became pregnant with this little boy who we know as Jesus, pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So Mary and Elizabeth, pregnant at the same time, cousins, close kin, and they celebrate together. Woo, it's fun to be pregnant at the same time, have something to journey through that with. And so here we have Zechariah and Elizabeth with John and Mary and Joseph with Jesus. And so Zechariah, at the birth of his son John, because John was born just a little bit before Jesus, and Zechariah the priest celebrates the imminent arrival of Jesus. And listen in to the joy in his voice as he talks about his wife's cousin's baby who is almost to arrive. He says, praise the Lord. Don't you love how he starts? He begins with praise. He says, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets so long ago. I love that the promise is coming true. He goes on, now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies. Why? So we can serve God without fear. Serve him in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And then Zechariah the priest shifts his joy, shifts what he's talking about and begins talking about his own son, John, who's just been born. Imagine him holding this beautiful little baby in his arms. And he says, and you, you, my little son, you will be called the prophet of the most high because you are going to prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And to guide us to the path of peace. What a beautiful prophecy. What a beautiful word. God's promise to us, a promise of peace. But catch this. You won't ever experience the promise of peace unless you're on the pathway of peace. You're never going to experience the promise of God if you're wandering on the wrong path. Like the Jews of the Old Testament, we've all strayed. We've gone our own way. We've chosen different paths that have taken us from God. And maybe not wholly, maybe it's just in one or two areas of our life. But in those areas of our life, our heart has wandered away and we've created a barrier between us and God. And that creates a problem. And so we have searched for bluer skies and brighter days only to find gloom and darkness at the end of those paths. Maybe a fleeting bright spot of peace and joy but it's gone in a moment and then we're reeling from it feeling the absence there's only one path to peace 
The problem is, it doesn't look very attractive at first. It doesn't sound very peaceful. It's a strange pathway indeed. If we go back to Luke's recording of Zechariah's prophecy, we see that that John's going to tell the people how to find salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. And he's going to guide us through the path of peace. Well, forgiveness of sins and salvation, that's through Jesus and Jesus alone. That was John the baptizer's message to the people. As the prophet of the Most High, I said, you got to follow Jesus. Don't follow me, you got to follow Jesus. And so why did Jesus come? Well, like Isaiah had said, we had wandered away. And our wandering from God made us enemies of God. It put us at war with God. And it created this barrier to God. And so we needed peace. We needed somebody to fix that, to reconcile that, to bring us back together with God. Problem is, our sin, our wandering, kept us from being able to do that. So we couldn't fix that on our own. And that's why Jesus enters into the picture. That's why Jesus enters into the fray. Because he became our salvation. He became our forgiveness for our sins. You see, that's what the cross is all about. That the path of peace leads through the cross. The path of peace leads through the cross. That was the journey that lay ahead for that sweet little baby Jesus born in that manger. That he'd grow into a man who would be our savior and offer us forgiveness of our sins by taking a cross meant for us. And he took that upon himself so that we could be restored to right relationship with God. That's the gift given to us at Christmas. That we can have peace with God through Jesus and what he has done. That's where peace is found. That's where we find it. But as with any gift, you got to claim it. you got to claim this gift. Right? In a couple weeks, we'll, we'll open up. Is it even two weeks away yet? It might be closer than that. I, I'm terrible with my dates. I better check the date and make sure I get all the presents bought soon enough. I'm one of those last-minute Amazon guys, and we're not at the last minute on Christmas Eve. Well, you know what's going to happen. We're going to have that moment where it comes, and it's time to open up the presents, and you open up the present. If you give somebody a present, and they look at the box, and they're like, oh, that's beautiful, and they put it aside, and they walk away, and they forget it at the house, have they really received the present? No. Like, you only get the present when you open it up, you get it, and you own it. Now, there are some presents we all know we don't want to own. You get that certain sweater, you're like, thanks. Thanks. You know, but there are some things you get, and you're like, oh, yeah, like you get keys to a new car. That's a, oh, yeah, I'm owning that one, right? There are presents you want. And of all the presents we could receive, this is the gift of Christmas. This is the present. It's a peace is possible through Jesus Christ. But we got to own it. We got to claim that gift for our own. See, this is the deal. If you do not receive Jesus, you cannot receive the peace that he has come to give you. You will be hungry for peace. You'll be longing for peace. You'll be searching for peace. And you'll never, ever find it unless you receive Jesus. See, peace begins with praise. Look look at how Zechariah begins his prophecy. Praise the Lord. He begins it with praise. Peace begins when we acknowledge who God is and we give him the rightful place in our life. Praise begins when we acknowledge that God is God and we are not. That he is everlasting father that he is the mighty God, that he is the warrior king, that he is king of kings, lord of lords, everlasting, that he is alpha and omega, beginning and end, and the one who holds everything in between. 
He is the one who is Redeemer, Messiah, Savior, friend of the sinner. That he alone is the Prince of Peace. Our peace begins when we acknowledge that we need a Savior. And we aren't the one to fill that role. That Jesus alone fills that role. Peace begins when we acknowledge that we have wandered from God's path. And that God's path is better for us. And it's just better alone than our path. Peace begins when we acknowledge that. And when we begin following the leader. Peace begins when we admit that we need God. Peace begins when we celebrate that in spite of our sin, God chose to bring peace to us and make peace with us and become peace for us, even though we're still sinners, because he loves us. So friend, you need to make sure you understand this part. You can never know Jesus as your Prince of Peace if you don't first acknowledge that he is the savior of your soul. And you'll never know Jesus as your prince of peace if you do not allow him to be the leader of your life. If you do not acknowledge that he is savior and Lord, you won't know him as prince of peace. So the peace that we're hungry for is only found when we begin praising him and then pursuing him. Notice the language that Zechariah used. He said, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. So there's a pathway to peace. As we, we come to Jesus, and that's gonna bring us to peace. Jesus himself is peace. But if you want an ongoing peace, you don't wanna just arrive at peace, but you want peace to keep on going, then you gotta keep going on the right path. That's what this means. If you want ongoing peace in your life, you gotta keep going on the right path. Somebody say, keep going. Oh, somebody else say, keep going. That was, keep going. And there you go. We gotta keep going on the right path. And that's the path of right living, the path of righteousness and holiness that Jesus marked out for us. Problem is we get tripped up here. Because that path does not look quite as attractive on the outset. If we just look at Jesus' invitation to that path, look at his invitation for us. We keep going. Uh, next verse. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way Take up your cross and follow me. If anyone wants to be my disciple, you got to give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. Here's a, a little bit of translation for that. So you got to die to your self-serving, self-preserving, self-seeking ways and start following my way. Now, at first glance, that does not look peaceful. That does not look attractive. That's like, man, I don't want that. That does not look like a gift. That I'm, that's like the ugly sweater I'm going to take back to the store. Where's the receipt? Take up a cross and die. That's an invitation to come and die. That does not look peaceful. But here's a counterintuitive thing, that God's economy is radically different than our own. And it doesn't make any sense at first glance. But you want peace in your life, you give up your own way and start following Jesus' way. And then and only then are you gonna find the peace you long for. Then and only then are you gonna find the life you long for. And it's on that path of right living, like that verse said righteousness and holiness as we follow Jesus, that path of right living. Problem is, we try to find shortcuts to that peace. We, we try to find a different way. Maybe God's allowed me a different way that I can experience this. And so we miss the path of peace because we spend our time chasing cheap counterfeits. We, we chase after something else 
relationship or pleasure or comfort or money or, or being known or whatever it might be, you know, or using some substance to try and get that momentary high, that momentary peace. The problem is they always end up just letting us down in the end. We might get a bright spot for a moment, but then there's a letdown. It's kind of like when you take vacation and you go to the beach. How many people like going to the beach, right? Especially this time of year. Some of y'all, I know some of y'all are going to the beach for a while coming up. So you go to the beach and it's nice because you get to relax and you go there and you're sitting on the beach and you get the beautiful gentle waves and the nice white sand and it's and the waves are rolling in and sunrise sunrise nobody waits for summers sunset you know it's late in the day and the sunshine is metal and it's so peaceful it's relaxing it's beautiful but what's the problem it's that eventually you you got to come back to reality like we live in louisville so we don't get to live on the beach listen there are beaches around here but ohio river is just not quite that serene right it's, so you, you got to come back to reality at some point and the problem is you come back to reality, then all you've done is you've escaped for a week or two or however long you're on. You've, you've simply avoided the problems for a little bit, and you come back, and they're all right there. They've just piled up even more. So when you come back, it seems even worse because the peace of the beach doesn't last. When you come face-to-face with all the problems, with all the dysfunction, with all the stress of the everyday ordinary, and you're like, oh, that's why I went to the beach in the first place. And then here you are. So that doesn't last. And that's, that's just all these other roads. That's where they lead us is just a disappointment when we come back into reality. So there's got to be a different kind of peace. That momentary peace is just not sustainable. And so maybe, maybe what we need to save us from all these continual dead-end excursions on the wrong pathways where we just keep finding hopelessness and peacelessness on dead end after dead end after dead end path. Maybe what we need is not another dead end, but a dead start. I know that sounds weird. It's a weird way to think of it, a dead start. But look again at what Jesus offers us. Look at his invitation. If you want to be my follower, he says, you got to do a U-E. You got to do the U-turn and get off your path and get onto my path. You got to stop following all those other self-serving, self-preserving, self-seeking ways and start following after me, really following after me. You got to get onto my path, the path of right living and righteousness. You got to take up a cross and you got to die to your old way. That's the death. And you got to start following me. And here's the promise he makes. When you do that, then you will find true life, true peace. That when we die to self and start living for him. And it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make any sense at the onset. But as we begin walking that path, we experience it again and again that that's where true sustaining peace and joy and life, real life, is found. Getting beyond us. And then all the things we've actually been hungry for and longing for, those things start coming to us. But in ways that we can't expect, in ways that we can't even explain that far surpass the ways of this world. The peace that Jesus gives is not like the peace of this world. See, the peace that Jesus gives, the peace of God, is not a false, counterfeit, fleeting, momentary peace. It's a lasting, sustaining, fulfilling, eternal peace. And it's not a peace that leads us from the mess to escape or avoid. It's a path that leads us straight into the mess to allow God to redeem all the bruised and broken areas of our souls. And then God uses us to redeem all the bruised and broken areas of the world. And oddly enough, that's where peace is found. That's where it's found. 
You see, peace, God's peace is not about avoiding or escaping. It's about entering into. That's exactly what Jesus did in the manger. He entered straight into it. We go to the next passage, Luke 1, verse 78 and 79. It says, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. Heaven is coming to us to give light to those who sit, but look at where they sit, who sit in darkness and who sit in the shadow of death to guide us to the path of peace. Seems strange, but the path of peace leads through a cross. The path of peace leads through a cross, not just for Jesus, but also for us. That the path of peace takes us there. And just because we're on the right path doesn't mean we're going to avoid the potholes and we're going to avoid construction zones. Actually, it means we're going to go through those times. Because as we put our old way to death and we become alive to Jesus... He begins changing us and transforming us and bringing us alive in him. And that means there's something changing within us. And that doesn't mean we avoid the pain or the challenge. It means we enter straight into it. But notice this part, the shadow of death. That's a reminder of Psalm 23. Psalm 23, that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God doesn't pull us out of it, doesn't remove us from it, but he enters into it and walks with us through it. I wish I could tell you that you follow Jesus and boom, it's all good. Pain and suffering and hardship and all that's gonna go, but I can't because it just does not work that way. But what I can promise you is that you have an invitation from a loving God that he'll enter into it with you and transform you through it. And he'll give you peace in the midst of it. This verse is a reminder of Psalm 23, but that word death if there is anything that is a peace thief in our world, it's that. That death just steals peace from those who are still living. And this year has been an odd year for a lot of you. It's been a hard year. Because if you've lost someone, someone you love, a friend or family member, you've not been able to grieve and to mourn and to have the closure that we need to have. When funerals are truncated and visitations are drive-by, it's just, it's just not right. And because of that, next week in our service, we're going to take a moment and acknowledge that Christmas, even though we get to talk about the joy and the celebration of a Savior who's come, there's also a blue side to Christmas because there are others who we've lost. And so if you've lost someone you love, friend or family, we want to invite you to go to our Everything Christmas page. And on there, you'll see a, a button for the Blue Christmas Memorial. And, and you just click on that and you give us the info of that person. And next week, we'll honor them. We'll, we're going to have a moment in our service next week on the 20th to remember those we've lost, who we love. And just take a moment to acknowledge that sometimes in all the joy and the beauty of Christmas, there's a little blue. There's a little blue in it. And if they've been lost this year or 10 years ago, if you still feel their absence, you go ahead and let us know. And if tech is a little bit elusive for you, you just call the office. You call up our receptionist. They'll get the right info and they'll, they'll pass it on to the right person. Don't worry about that. Um, but, but again, I want to remind us that even in the midst of all that, peace is still possible. Peace is still possible. And that's God's promise for us. That in a way bigger than what I can explain, in a way bigger than what we can 
expect, his peace will come to us when we praise him and when we pursue him. When we get on his path, his peace will come to us. See, the path of peace actually requires a cross for us. Because that's, that's where transformation happens. As we get off our old ways, we put our old ways on the cross. And we come alive in a whole new way. And it's weird because that sounds a little more like Easter than it does Christmas. Talking about the cross sounds a little more like the end of the story than the beginning. And, and maybe it is. But, but we know that, that to avoid this is simply avoidance. It's just pretend. To, to try and circumvent this and move around the pain, well, well, that's not really where peace is found. That's just a day at the beach, but you've got to come back to reality. But to have true, lasting peace, we've got to enter through the cross to find our Savior there. And when we do, his peace is with us. See, without the cross, you'll never actually experience the magnificence of the mystery of what happened in that manger. When the Prince of Peace left all the beauty of heaven to enter into the mess with you and me, and it came here in the awesomeness to be our Prince of Peace. See, for the Jews of the Old Testament, they were given a promise, a promise that a Messiah would come, that a rescuer would come, that a redeemer would come, that a Prince of Peace would come and save them. And so that promise built anticipation and it built hope and it built longing and they were looking forward to him. But we stand on the other side of all that. We know that he came. We celebrate his birth. And that we celebrate his life and we celebrate his death. Every week we take bread and juice to celebrate the death that gives us life. But we know that the cross was in the end. That we celebrate that three days later he came out of that tomb alive. That we have a savior who was risen. That the prince of peace is also the one who conquered death. And so we have a promise. God's not done making promises to his kids. That we have a promise that that Prince of Peace is coming again. There will be a day when he comes back for us to take his faithful ones home into the place where he's taken us. See, this, this pathway of peace is really just a pathway home. It's walking with God on his path, going to his home. And there will be a day where he comes back for us to take us there. And in that place, all hardship, all suffering, all pain is ended and only joy and only peace are available there. And we know we're not quite there yet. But we don't have to wait for that day to experience his peace because that prince walks with us. He's given us his Holy Spirit to live within us. And so we know he's coming back and we long for that. We anticipate that. But even now, even in this moment, we can experience his peace right now, even in the midst of the problems, even in the midst of pandemic, even in the midst of the pain because he's here with us. And so you can experience the very real and lasting peace of God if you will praise and pursue the Prince of Peace. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and and the truth in your word. We thank you for your promises and how you are the ultimate promise keeper. We thank you that you are the Prince of Peace and that you are the Savior of our souls. And that you came for us long ago. But we praise you that you are coming back again for us. Coming to redeem and restore and to make all things new. And you are coming to take us home. And we long for that day. We anticipate that day. But God, as we are here on this side of it. As we wait for that day. We pray. 
We pray that for all those who don't yet acknowledge that you are Savior, who do not yet follow you as Lord, God, that right now you would give them the courage to surrender it all to you, to acknowledge that they got to follow you as the leader of their life, that you alone are the one to save them from their waywardness. And in that moment, God, may they know you as Lord and as Savior, but also as their Prince of Peace. God, would you give them an assurance, a peace that comes from knowing that the Eternal One loves us, has redeemed us, is restoring us, and has got us on the pathway to our home. God, we long for the day we stand with you in your presence. Until then, sustain us and make your peace very real to us, God. And we pray all this for your glory, for your honor, as we praise you. God, as we sing this next song, may we rise to our feet and may our mouths celebrate you. May our hearts and our souls declare that you are prince, that you are peace, that you are good, and that you are worthy of our praise. God, hear our praise and delight in it. It's in Jesus we pray, amen.